Welcome to Introduction to Feminist and Social Justice Studies. This is the second audio episode of the semester-long course for the Gender, Sexuality, Feminist, and Social Justice Studies program at McGill University, taking place in the fall of 2021. As you know, my name is Dr. Alex Ketchum. I'm your professor for this course. I'm joined by three teaching assistants who are graduate students at McGill University. Our teaching team will lead you through the materials in this course. Today's episode will explain, one, the role and political power of citation, two, the assignments, three, the quizzes. Let's get started. Today's song is Black Girl Soldier by Jamila Woods. Jamila Woods is a Chicago-based singer, songwriter, poet, educator, and community organizer. Her lyrics celebrate Black feminism, Black ancestry, and Black identity. The clip we just heard has the lyrics, Rosa was a freedom fighter, and she taught us how to fight. Ella was a freedom fighter, and she taught us how to fight. Audrey was a freedom fighter, and she taught us how to fight. Angela was a freedom fighter, and she taught us how to fight. Sojourner was a freedom fighter, and she taught us how to fight. In these lyrics, she sings about the impact of Black women's activism throughout U.S. history. Here, she references activist Rosa Parks, who is best known for her role in the Montgomery bus boycott, where she refused to give up her seat. Parks had already been involved in civil rights activism for a long time before this act of protest. She later was actively involved in the Black Power Movement and did work around political prisoners in the United States. Woods then sings about Ella Josephine Baker, who was another civil rights activist. Baker emphasized the importance of grassroots organizing. She was actively critical of both racism in the United States and sexism within the civil rights movement. The Audrey that Jamila Woods refers to is the Black lesbian feminist poet and activist Audrey Lorde. Lord wrote the quote, for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Angela refers to Black Panther, prisoner abolitionist, philosopher, scholar, and political activist Angela Davis. Sojourna is Sojourner Truth. After escaping slavery, Truth was a prominent abolitionist and women's rights activist. Later this term, we'll be looking at her in a woman's speech. 
These short biographies cannot do justice to the important work done by these women in combating racism and sexism, and particularly with Lord's work, Heterosexism. We will speak about the, many of these women again later in the course. The reason I picked Woods' song for today's episode is because in the song, Woods is speaking about the women who influence her and inspire her work. In this way, the song functions as a kind of practice of citation. Citation is an important action. Maybe you have previously thought about citation as an arduous, annoying task. I hear you. As someone who had to manually redo all of her citations for her 365-page long dissertation, I understand that on the one hand, citation can be really frustrating. I'm less interested in every comma and period mark being in the right place. I personally could care less about whether I need to write the author's first name first or second. I have tended to shrug my shoulders and think that as long as the author's name, the title of the piece, the journal or publisher, page numbers, the date, and if applicable, the URL are there, does it really matter if I italicize or use quote marks? It's something that I have to do in my work, but that's not really the part of citation that intrigues me. Now, not all of your professors will share this opinion, but as long as you're citing your sources and including the required information and that you're being consistent in your citation style for this class, I do not care what citation style you use, be it Chicago, APA, MLA, Harvard, etc. Just be consistent. Chicago tends to be used for history, MLA for English, etc. But as I said, citation is not interesting because of punctuation and formatting. Citation is a political practice. It can be a form of activism. Like Wood showing who and what work influences her, citation is what you do as an author to show whose ideas and works are inspiring your own. Citation is something to take seriously. Inspired by the work of Rigoberto's Lara Guzman, Sarita Amrut, and Alexandra Matescu's zine, How to Cite Like a Badass Tech Feminist Scholar of Color, which I've linked to in the show notes, or in the transcript as it were, I want us to think about the role of citation in either upholding certain systems of power or dismantling them. Sarah Ahmed is an author whose work we will be reading later this semester. In her book, Living a Feminist Life, she writes, Citation is feminist memory. Citation is how we acknowledge our debt to those who came before, those who helped us find our way when the way was obscured because we deviated from the path we are told to follow. Without going into too much detail, we can save that for GSFS 300 Feminist Research Methods in the Winter Term. Citation is a way to mark who created or co-created ideas. There is power in this intellectual history. Just as the reading list for this course aims to recenter the voices of women, queer folks, and people of color whose work is often overlooked in traditional academic texts, even when these scholars are the ones doing the -the on-the-ground work, I want you to think critically about what sources you choose to cite in your written assignments, particularly written assignment number two. In addition, as you do the readings for this course, think critically about the texts and sources that the authors are choosing to cite. Citational practices are political and can uphold oppressive hierarchies of what kinds of knowledge are considered legitimate. However, they can also be a feminist act. As I said in the last lecture, but got a bit muddled in the audio recording, what I want to emphasize in this class is that feminism is a process. Feminism is a process of working towards. I want you to see citational practices as part of that process. 
I'm now going to explain the assignments for the course. If you're not a McGill GSFS 200 student but are listening to this podcast, which you're totally welcome and encouraged to do, you might want to skip ahead to episode three or at least fast forward to my discussion of peer review. As I explained in episode one and in the syllabus, your grade will be determined by two written assignments, three quizzes, and one short 150-word write-up of an IGSF event that you attend, either in person or virtually. You will have three multiple-choice open note quizzes. You will have a few days to complete the quizzes. The quizzes will be released by Wednesdays and will be due by Friday at 11.59 p.m. of the week of the quiz. You can use any transcripts, audio, or reading materials from the class. Quiz number one and quiz number two will only ask questions about their units one and two, respectively. Quiz number three will have some questions from the entire semester. During the quiz period, you can take as much time as you would like to complete the quiz. One, you can only submit the quiz one time. Use your McGill email address and ID to do so. The link to the quiz will be on my courses. Two, you are not allowed to consult with any classmates for the quizzes. This is cheating. Three, do not discuss the quiz material with any other students until the Saturday following the quiz. These quizzes aim to help you synthesize the material from this class. Initially, I had planned to have a writing assignment for each unit. However, as we've moved online, as students are having to balance intensive schedules for upwards of five courses and track numerous assignments, meeting times, and various requirements. And I gently suggest that you keep a color-coded day planner to help keep track of all of these assignments. But my expectations for this course have had to shift. I have created two written assignments that are not the conventional essay. Written assignment number one is due on Tuesday, September 28th at 11.59 Montreal time, so Eastern Standard Time. This assignment is a book analysis. This assignment will give you the opportunity to read the entirety of one of the books that we have looked at on the syllabus. In my desire to make the course as accessible as possible, including class accessibility, I designed the syllabus in such a way that you do not need to purchase any supplies for the course. All texts are available through my courses. As this is an introductory course, I also want to expose you to a wide range of authors with sometimes conflicting opinions on a wide range of topics, especially in case you have never had the opportunity to take another course in feminist and social justice studies. I know some of you are taking this as an elective. However, this unfortunately means that we do not read entire books. For this assignment, you will select one of the books from the list on the syllabus. All of them are available as eBooks through the McGill Library. You will then read the entire book and then complete the worksheet. Please note that while you do not need to buy any materials for this course, if you prefer reading hard copies of books, you may want to order a copy of the book that you choose. For three of the five books, the McGill Library Access allows an unlimited number of downloads. Unfortunately, we do not have unlimited access to The Remedy, and policing black lives. Our liaison librarian has ordered more copies to increase access for our class, but there are only a few copies available for those two texts and 250 of you are taking this class. Fortunately, they're not wildly expensive textbooks, but rather paperbacks that retail at around 20 Canadian dollars. You may also wanna check if your public library also has copies of those two books. So the books you can choose from. 
you only have to choose one for this assignment. The first is Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men by Caroline Criado Perez. For this title, um, I've included the information to link through on the McGill website. You can also choose Policing Black Lives by Robin Maynard, Race After Technology by Ruha Benjamin, The Remedy, Queer and Trans Voices on Health and Healthcare by Zena Sharman, or Slow Violence and Environmentalism of the Poor by Rob Nixon. Everyone in the class will be reading a segment from each of these books during the course of the semester, but I want to give you the opportunity and space in your schedule to immerse yourself more fully into one of these texts. The worksheet is literally the section entitled The Worksheet in the Syllabus. Cut and paste the section into a Word document or Google Doc. This is an advertisement-free podcast used for educational purposes. ...about the book. I want to explain some of the reasoning behind the worksheet questions. So the first one, what does the publication year tell us about the book in one to three sentences? So what I'm asking here is, what else is happening at that time that might have influenced the book? I want us to think about the text within their historical context. Two, what is the book about? Provide a summary in two to six sentences. This is pretty straightforward. There is a benefit in learning how to succinctly summarize information that you're learning. Three, What is the main thesis, argument of the book in your own words in one to three sentences? The introductory and conclusion chapters of books often make this clear, especially in academic writing. Four, what kind of evidence is used to support the arguments of the book? One to five sentences. How does the author support her arguments? Five, what research methods does the author or researcher, uh, sorry, What research methods are how the author or researcher found out information that they used as evidence through which to build an argument? Historians might go to an archive, anthropologists might conduct interviews, sociologists might take surveys, a biologist might collect leaf samples. The next question, what kind of methodology, conceptual framework, does this to be an effective choice? Why or why not? Why did you choose this book from the list? One to four sentences. You can't really answer this incorrectly. What are three things you learned from this book that you did not know before reading this book? Three to six sentences. How does this book relate to materials from this course and how does this book influence the way that you view the topic of feminist and social justice studies? This worksheet aims to help you think about the anatomy of an academic text. I want you to think about how this information is organized, how the author did her research, and why. This is a skill set you will continue to build through upon throughout your time at university. Following instructions is important to your success with both the first and the second assignments. Okay, so the second writing assignment is due Tuesday, November 2nd at 11.59 p.m. Montreal time, so Eastern time. It is a research assignment annotated bibliography. As this course serves as an introduction to the larger field of feminist and social justice studies, we cover a wide range, a wide variety of topics. However, we are unable to cover everything. This assignment is the opportunity for you to do some research on a topic of your choosing. Rather than write an entire research paper, you'll use this assignment to just begin the initial research process. You will create an annotated bibliography. You will need to include eight sources. Six must be scholarly, peer-reviewed readings. You must use one reading from the course, but no more than two readings can come from the course. So how do you format this? 
So you're going to actually organize the paper with these actual section, section headers that I have put in the assignment. What is your research topic? So you're going to write three to seven sentences describing your research topic. Two, why are you picking this topic and how does it relate to the course? Three to seven sentences. The third part is the annotated bibliography. So you're going to list eight sources in alphabetical order, which is properly formatted in either Chicago MLA or APA style, etc. like I described above in citational practices. As long as you're being consistent, I don't care which style you use. Under each source, indicate if it's from the syllabus or not. Under each source, indicate if it is peer-reviewed or not. Under each source, you will write a few sentences explaining the source, what it's about, and how the source will be relevant to your research. So about four to eight sentences per source. The second part is key. Is the source contributing to your theoretical approach? Is it contributing by providing background on the topic? Explain. Then the next part is a reflection. So you're going to write one paragraph reflecting on your process of looking for sources for this research topic. Were there any difficulties? Would you have changed anything about your initial process? Did you learn about new resources in the library during this process? Where would you like to take this research moving forward? For the eight sources, one must be from class, but no more than two readings can be from the syllabus. And also, six of the sources must be scholarly peer-reviewed. Now, you might be wondering, what do you mean by peer-reviewed sources? Perhaps some of you have worked in journalism. In journalism, oftentimes reporters have a short time frame in order to write a story or article. Journalists sometimes have a few hours to write a piece, send it to their editors, and the piece is published. Oftentimes, the piece will go through a form of fact-checking. This is a form of review, but it is not peer review. Peer review and scholarly publishing is different and it moves at a much slower pace. A scholar or group of scholars will conduct research and then write an academic journal article based on their research. While every scholarly discipline is a bit different, most academic articles will include an abstract, summary, an introduction where the topic is introduced, a literature review in which the authors talk about other pieces that are already published on the topic and how their research relates, a methodology and methods section, perhaps a discussion of epistemology, again, how we know what we know, a discussion of findings with an analysis, and it will finish with a conclusion that summarizes the article and often discusses something extra, such as places for further research. After writing and editing the article, the scholar will send this piece to a journal. If the journal thinks the piece is valuable, the editor of the journal will send the article to two to three different scholars to read and review the piece. The reviewers usually do not know the name of the author, and the author does not know the name of the reviewers. This is called double-blind peer review. After a time period, a period of time, and depending on the journal, sometimes it'll take up to a year to get back comments. The peer reviewers will tell the author if the piece should be accepted and published accepted with minor revisions, should be revised and resubmitted, or should be outright rejected. The reviewers will also send a list of things they think should be changed, added, or rewritten. As you can imagine, there are a lot of power dynamics and politics at play in this process. If the author revises and resubmits, the article might be sent out again to the same reviewers or different reviewers. It is not uncommon for a piece to take two to three years to come out. 
Also, remember that during this process, the author is never paid for her research. The peer reviewers are not paid, or if they are, it is very, very rare, and that is usually just for an academic book manuscript, and they are maybe, maybe paid with a book purchase credit from the publisher, and oftentimes the journal editor isn't paid. You can tell if an article is peer-reviewed by looking at the place, such as the journal, where the piece is published. The McGill Library website has a button to limit your search to peer-reviewed articles or books. Google Scholar can be another useful tool. The GSFS Liaison Librarian, Michael David Miller, is a wonderful resource at the McGill Library. There's also a subject guide that will help you with your research. I've included the URL in the transcripts. On that site, there's a list of article databases. Remember that as a McGill student, you have full access to the library resources. Since McGill spends millions of dollars every year for its journal subscriptions, please take advantage of this resource. As you're working from home, you should be able to access these resources through the McGill VPN that you will access with your McGill username and password. Also, Concordia University Library has a useful video on how to know if an article is peer-reviewed. I've linked to that video in the syllabus and in the transcript. The idea behind this assignment is that I want you to have the opportunity to research a topic you are interested in and build on the work you are doing in this class. I also want to encourage you to use university resources. Back in 2019, when we were having courses in person, I required students include a photo of a physical book that they used from the library as I learned some McGill students had never gone inside any of the libraries. Obviously, this year this won't be the case. However, please, please, please go into the library at some point. The McGill Library has fantastic resources. So you might be wondering about what topics can I choose? You can pick a wide range of topics. Perhaps you're interested in learning more about prison abolition. I have had students write about queer representation in food competition reality TV shows. I've had students write about maternity policies in Canada. I've had students write about violence and abuse in elder care. You might be interested in racial bias in facial recognition software. You might look at the way intersex athletes have been treated within international sports competitions. You might be interested in the history of unions. Your topic needs to somehow relate to feminism and social justice. Your work needs to somehow relate to gender, race, class, disability, sexuality, feminism, and or social justice. I want you to use this assignment to really explore a topic you want to learn more about. If you're unsure if your topic is appropriate, you can speak to your TA during office hours. And if it isn't clear, office hours are times for you as students to meet with your TAs or when I have my office hours for you to meet with me. So they're called office hours, but they're essentially student hours. Notice that the final thing that you will turn in will be on Friday, December 3rd at 11.59 p.m. Montreal Eastern Time. That will be the end time for quiz number three. Quiz number three will mark the end of the course. You will be done with this entire course before the McGill finals period begins. The last thing this episode is the late policy and extensions. So I expect you to submit your work on time. For the first two major assignments, you are able to submit your written assignments up to one week past the deadline without penalty. However, late submissions will not receive any comments from your TAs. They will come with the rubric still, which you will see when you receive your grade. Papers received more than one week past the deadline will receive a zero. 
no exceptions. The open note quizzes must be submitted on the due date. Late submission for these quizzes will result in a zero, no exceptions. The reason I've created the opportunity for you to turn in the paper in seven days late for either of your two assignments, so you can even do it for both. So the reason I've created this opportunity for you to turn the papers in up to seven days late without penalty is because at present, a significant number of students require accommodations from the OSD. People are grieving lost family members. It's cold and flu season and also happen and also life happens and can throw anyone a curveball. Things such as car accidents, bed bugs, breakups, etc. There are also significant barriers of access and many students being able to get medical notes or meet with therapists. I would never want to stigmatize any student seeking help. I want to trust you. The one week blanket extension for each of the two major assignments is to be fair to provide accommodation to all students in the class who may need it, no matter the reason. The word accommodation also means that in adapting or adjusting, there are some compromises. No, you will not lose any points if you turn it, the paper in up to seven days late. However, your TAs have a large teaching and grading load in addition to all of their duties as graduate students. They take classes, are writing their theses or dissertations, work multiple jobs, and also lives outside of work. To respect their time and to make accommodation to make the accommodation manageable, as it clearly states in the syllabus, if you turn your paper in after the deadline, you will not get comments. Remember that if your paper is more than seven days late, you will receive a zero. This policy worked well last year. It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, including this class. Within the confines of the university, labor considerations for the TAs and my own limitations. Knowing all of this, this extension policy attempts to support you as a student and as a human being. You do not need to email asking for this extension. Please don't email. It is automatically granted to everyone, and we can see when an assignment was turned in on my courses since every submission is timestamped. You will receive your grades for assignments around two weeks after their deadline. Do not email asking for a higher grade. Please refer to the syllabus for the formal process that is required for a grade reevaluation. Note well, reevaluated grades can be lowered, not just raised. I tend to be a harder grader than the TAs. The keys to success in this course are staying on top of deadlines, listening to podcast episodes, taking notes, you can even take notes on the transcripts, and doing the readings. Utilize office hours, especially the office hours of your TAs, as they will be the ones grading your written assignments. While not mandatory, the three Zoom or in-person this year, TA conference sessions are a great way to receive, receive clarification on concepts in the course. So looking forward. In episode three, we will discuss the meaning of feminism and some starting terms. In case you heard some snoring sounds in the background, they were for my dogs, Bubbles and Sprout. Hopefully you find this course more interesting than they do. All the video songs, images, and graphics used in this podcast and transcript belong to their respective owners and I or this channel. Do not claim any right over them. The opening bell sound is school bell dot
Bay from 13 Pants Guys, Ronska, Michaela, and the Clothing Bells from Inspector Day's Bell Counter and A.Wave of FreeSound.org. Fair dealing is an exception in the Canadian Copyright Act that outlines the permit on authorized use of copyrighted materials for specific mandated purposes. In Canada, these purposes include research, privacy, education, parody, satire, criticism, review, or news reporting. For research and privacy, education, parody, and satire, no special requirements are required. For criticism, review, and news reporting, the source and author must be named to constitute fair dealing. This is an advertisement-free podcast used for educational purposes.